Shalom, and thank you for listening at BethEmmanuel.org. Plan on joining us for the holidays this year and spend Passover, Pentecost, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, or Sukkot with your brothers and sisters in Hudson, Wisconsin. Shabbat Shalom and Happy New Year. May you be sealed for good in the final sealing of the Book of Life. The year that we just completed, 5782, was a Shemitah year, a sabbatical year, and the end of one of the Torah's seven-year cycles. Our Torah portion from the book of Deuteronomy says that during the festival of Sukkot, at the end of the Shemitah year, everyone is supposed to assemble in Jerusalem to hear the Torah read aloud to the whole assembly by the king of Israel. Deuteronomy 31 verses 10 through 13 says, At the end of every seven years, at the time of the year of remission of debts, at the Feast of Booths, that is the festival of Sukkot, When all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place which he will choose, you shall read this Torah in front of all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, the men, and the women, and the children, and the alien who is in your town, so that they may hear and learn and fear the Lord your God, and be careful to observe all the words of this Torah." Their children who have not known will hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live on the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. Deuteronomy 31.10-13 This commandment is called the Hakel, a word that means conduct an assembly. Moses commanded, assemble the people. The sages said, only the king of Israel has the authority to assemble the whole nation. Therefore, they deemed this commandment to be incumbent upon the king of Israel. The king is responsible for assembling the people during Sukkot of the Shemitah year, and the king is responsible for reading the Torah to his assembly. Moses told all Israel, men, women, children, and the strangers, to ascend to the place which God will choose once every seven years during the festival of Sukkot. God chose Jerusalem and placed his temple there. To fulfill the injunction, the king summoned the whole nation to Jerusalem. At the end of every seven years, after the sabbatical year, all the people of Israel ascended to Jerusalem for the festival of Sukkot. This ingathering of all Israel foreshadows the Messianic era. Sukkot foreshadows that great celebration when the entire world will live in peace and brotherhood under the reign and rule of the righteous king. He will gather all Israel back to the land. He will summon them to Jerusalem to hear the Torah. All nations will ascend to Jerusalem as well, bearing tribute to King Messiah and celebrating the festival. The Messiah will read the Torah to the whole assembly during the seventh Sukkot, a picture of the Torah being proclaimed from Zion during the Messianic era, when the Torah will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. When the Messiah comes to read the Torah to the assembly, The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains, and will be raised above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. Isaiah 2.2 This ceremony of the king reading the Torah to the assembly of Israel has not taken place since the days of the apostles. Thanks to the Mishnah, we know a lot about the last time it took place. It happened in the year 42 Common Era, 12 years after the ascension of the Master. It was King Herod Agrippa's first full year as king over Judea. It was the end of a sabbatical year. Jerusalem had not had a Jewish king for four decades, not since Herod the Great died, 
And even then, it's highly unlikely Herod the Great ever carried out this commandment in all his years as king. So it's probably been 80 years or more since a Jewish king conducted the reading. It wasn't a great year. The drought mentioned at the end of Acts 11 had already begun to hamper the land. The people gathered for Sukkot to wave lulavs and beat their willows and say Hoshana and pray for rain and especially to hear the new king read from the Torah. After suffering under Pontius Pilate, they were ecstatic to have a Jewish king again, even if he was the grandson of Herod the Great. You can imagine the temple courtyard packed out for this gala event. The apostles and the disciples of Yeshua were present, along with the rest of the pious of Israel, to witness the moment. They weren't as excited as their countrymen. Their hearts burned within them, jealous for the Master. They longed for the day when King Messiah will stand in the temple and read the Torah aloud to the assembly of Israel, not this poser and pretender Herod Agrippa, who feigned the role of a pious Jew when he was in Jerusalem, but lived like a godless Roman when he was at his palace in Caesarea. King Agrippa entered the temple and seated himself on a wooden bema erected in the temple courts for the special occasion. The minister of the temple synagogue took the scroll of the Torah and handed it to the head of the synagogue. The head of the synagogue handed the scroll to the high priest's deputy. He handed the scroll to the high priest, Matthias, the son of Annas, the brother of Caiaphas. Agrippa stood to receive the scroll from Matthias, and then he laid it out to read the appropriate passages from Deuteronomy. The king doesn't read the whole Torah. That would be a really long Torah reading. He reads specific passages from Deuteronomy. The one who reads the Torah publicly must stand while doing so, but a king is allowed to sit. Everyone expected Agrippa to exercise his royal prerogative and sit down before he began to read. Instead, he remained standing as he read, and the sages praised him for his humility. It was all an act. The man had no humility. As Agrippa read from the words of Deuteronomy, he came to the passage that says, You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Deuteronomy 17.15 More than half a century earlier, his grandfather, King Herod the Great, also stumbled over that passage. Herod the Great was not born from the house of David. He was not even Jewish by birth. He was an Edomite, an Edomian, proselyte to Judaism. Eager to validate his claim to the throne of Israel, Herod inquired of the Sanhedrin and asked them to explain the verse from Deuteronomy, which says, you shall, you shall set a king over you out of your own brothers. The Sanhedrin explained that the verse means a legitimate king of the Jews must be at least Jewish. Herod did not like their explanation. He had them all slain. Then he burned the genealogical scrolls that the priesthood stored in the temple so that no one, particularly no son of David, could claim to be more worthy of Israel's throne than he. King Agrippa had more Jewish heritage and halakhic identity than his grandfather Herod the Great, but he had not shaken the Idumean stigma. He knew that Deuteronomy 17.15 was a sore spot. Under Herod the Great, that particular passage had blackened his royal family's name, and he knew that many Jews considered him unfit for the throne. He tried a different approach than the one his grandfather had used. As he came to the troublesome passage, he stopped reading. His voice broke. He choked. 
tears began to run down from his eyes. When the people assembled in the temple saw the king weeping over Deuteronomy 17.15, they began to chant, Do not be afraid, Agrippa. You are our brother. You are our brother. You are our brother. Though the masses assured Agrippa that he was a brother and therefore an approved Jewish king of the Jews, he was a descendant of the Hasmonean kings only through his grandmother. He had not a drop of Davidic blood in his veins. Despite the people's encouragement, Agrippa did not meet the Bible's qualification for a legitimate king of Israel. The Talmud says, At the moment that the people praised him, saying, You are our brother, they became liable to destruction because they flattered Agrippa. Agrippa's feigned humility and alligator tears stole away the hearts of the masses. At least one sect of Jews in the temple did not join the acclamations and declare their allegiance to Agrippa. The followers of the Way were aghast at the notion of the Idumean Herodian receiving the honor due to Yeshua of Nazareth, the true son of David. The disciples did not cheer and say, You are our brother. The followers of Yeshua could not endorse the pretender to the throne of David. Eventually, their refusal to join the popular acclamations brought them to the attention of the king. That's when we read in Acts 12.1. Now about that time, Herod, the king, laid hands on some who belonged to the assembly in order to mistreat them. Six months later at Passover, the passage goes on in Acts 12.2, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. Like James and Peter and all of Yeshua's first disciples, we also anticipate a future day when the rightful king, Yeshua ben Yosef, takes his place in the temple to read the Torah. May he come speedily soon and in our lifetimes. Imagine hearing King Messiah himself reading and teaching the Torah to us. How many have longed to see that day and hear his teachings? The disciples of Yeshua experienced it. It was Yeshua's custom to attend synagogue on Sabbath and participate in the public readings of the Torah. Imagine having the privilege of hearing the Torah read and expounded from the lips of the Messiah. They heard the Messiah reading the Torah in the synagogues and expounding it, correcting their misunderstandings, and elucidating the Torah's inner truths. He said to them, Blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. The commandment of Hakel cannot be currently observed because there is no king to assemble all of Israel and read the Torah. Therefore, it's a commandment that looks forward to the second coming of Messiah, the messianic kingdom on earth, and the function of the assembly of Messiah. In the future to come, King Messiah is going to stand in front of all Israel and before his entire assembly, men, women, children, and the strangers too, because there will be emissaries from all nations present in Jerusalem for the celebration of the festival of Sukkot and specifically to attend this ceremony. In the future to come, King Messiah is going to stand in front of all Israel and before his entire assembly, men, women, children, and the strangers too 
There will be plenty of strangers present, because there will be emissaries from all nations present in Jerusalem for the celebration of the festival of Sukkot, and specifically to attend this ceremony. The temple courts are going to be festooned with banners and decorations for the celebration, and there will be music, pageantry, and fanfare appropriate for the moment. I think that when the Messiah steps up to the bima, he will be flanked by some of those righteous resurrected. Perhaps Elijah and Moses will stand beside him. To the eyes of those watching, they will look like luminous beings, but the face of King Messiah will outshine them. They will hand him the scroll, and he will roll it to Deuteronomy, Devarim. He is going to read the Torah aloud, in Hebrew, to the whole assembly, thus fulfilling the mitzvah and also fulfilling the prophecies about the Torah going forth from Zion. It's going to be an internationally televised and simulcast event. Everyone everywhere will be watching this happen. Every eye will see him, and every ear will hear him. The whole world will be listening to him laying the Hebrew. There will be subtitling, translating the words of Moses into the local languages as all nations tune in for this amazing moment. He will not sit to read. He will stand, as it says in Isaiah 11.10. And in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a sign for the peoples. And from him the nations will seek teaching, and his resting place, the holy temple, will be glorious. That's my translation. I never noticed this, but when Isaiah says the nations will resort to him, he says, Elav goyim yidroshu, which we can understand as the nations will go to him to seek out words of Torah. Every time we open up the Gospels to study the words of the Master, we share the privilege of his first disciples who heard him reading the Torah and expounding upon it every Shabbat in the synagogues. Not only that, we also take a foretaste of this day when Yeshua will teach all Israel the Torah. In that day, he will attend a big Bible study in Jerusalem. Then many people will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the Torah will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Maimonides explains that those listening to the king read the Torah are to listen in awe and fear in rejoicing and trembling, as on the day the Torah was given at Mount Sinai. Even great sages who are proficient in the whole Torah are obligated to listen with great devotion. One must consider himself as if he was hearing the Torah spoken from the Almighty himself, since the king is merely an emissary empowered to proclaim the words of the Lord. In that day the Messiah will stand as emissary for the Lord, and this is his name by which he shall be called. The Lord, our righteousness. Jeremiah 23.6 Until then, the commandment of the assembly cannot be observed. Not until the Messiah comes and reads the Torah to us in Jerusalem. But there are things we can do to honor the year of the assembly right here in beautiful historic Hudson, Wisconsin. The first thing to realize is that the Torah readings that take place in the synagogue are closely tied to this commandment of assembly. This is the origin of the public reading, the public Torah reading service, which we see practiced in Nehemiah 8, which then became the basis for the synagogue Torah readings on holy days. So to honor the year of Hakel, we should make a definite effort to better honor 
the public reading of the Torah in the synagogue and also to better prepare ourselves to listen. The Lubavitcher Rebbe established new Torah initiatives to correspond with the year of Hakhel. He encouraged community leaders to increase their efforts in Torah education in that year, and he encouraged all Jews to recommit themselves in that year to attend the public readings of the Torah in the synagogue and to studying the weekly Parsha. That's a worthy way to honor the mitzvah and to focus our attention on the coming of the Messiah and his kingdom. This is like what Paul said to Timothy. Paul tells Timothy, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. The new Torah cycle for 5783 begins in a few weeks. Let's do this. 1. Let's make a special effort to ensure that we have a minion for the Torah reading. If you are an eligible member of the minion, make it a priority to be present for the Shabbat morning reading of the Torah. If you're not going to be present, let others know so that we can work harder to keep the bases covered. 2. Let's read the daily Torah readings. We divide the Torah readings into seven sections called Aliyot, and we happen to have seven days in a week. Use the back of the bulletin or the web app bethemanuel.org daily to read the daily Aliyah so that by the time you arrive at the synagogue, you are already familiar with the Torah portion and have had time to meditate on it. 3. Get involved in a Torah study. I'm going to recommend getting into one of the many area Torah clubs, or start one yourself. For the last two years, our Torah clubs have been working through the Gospels, but that's over now. We are returning to the weekly Torah cycle this year with a new study called The Beginning of Wisdom. It's got some practical application stuff and a lot of deep mystical ideas too, so there's something for everyone. 4. Make an effort to be present for the Torah reading. When you are here for the Torah service, do your best to listen attentively by reading along in Hebrew or in English. Don't just use the Torah service as an opportunity to let your mind wander. Instead, remember what Maimonides says about the king. Those listening to the king read the Torah are to listen in awe and fear, in rejoicing and trembling, as on the day when the Torah was given us at Sinai, with great devotion. One must consider himself as if he was hearing the Torah spoken from the Almighty himself. Find rest for your soul.